What a song. Amen. Amen. Having listened to the recording of the late Andrew, Andrew Couch, knowing a little bit about his life, that song was a living reality for him. Because he lived a, a very roller coaster type life. But in the end, God reeled him back in. Just like he does all of us. And I tell you, Israel is a nation that demonstrate the mercies of God. Especially when you read in the book of Judges. It says when God did not appoint a judge over the people, the people did whatever came to their minds. And every man did according to his own imagination what was right in his own sight. And then God would send people to oppress them. And there was periods in which 40 years or whatever it would take place. And I mean, that's a hard discipline. And when the people cry out to God, God was sent a deliverer in the form of a judge. I wonder today, as we look at this, what is God sending to you and me? As we look around the world, especially on a morning like today, a day that represents the pureness of love, a day that represents not only love for each other, but love for family, the sanctity of marriage. That's what Valentine's Day is all about. A man trying to protect that which was right, and the king got furiated at him. But he wouldn't give up. He said, I'm not going to stop doing marriage ceremonies. And he continued. The price was huge. God's son also had in mind a marriage. A marriage that will go beyond any human expectation. The other night as I was before the Lord and I was thinking about today, immediately the Spirit led me to John chapter 17. We'll put on hold just for a moment until next week, the Acts of the Apostles. Because God wants you to see what pure love looks like between the Father and the Son. And it is that kind of love that you and I need to mimic. It's that kind of love that we don't need to struggle to emulate. We just need to do it. Amen. And folks, what's, what's happening here as we turn to John chapter 17, what you're going to see today is something so deep and something so high, it is literally out of this world. And you're going to see the son talking to his father in a way that we have never seen occurred in the Gospels. 
And you're going to look at love not just flowing down from heaven, but you're going to see love flowing up. And we know everything don't go up. Amen? And there's that old saying, what goes up must come down. But in this case, it doesn't come down. It defies the very laws of gravity as we know it spiritually. Because this is the son talking to his father in a manner in which we all need to look at and say, God, is this the kind of love Jesus has placed in me for you? Is this the kind of love that I need to be demonstrating to you and for my fellow man? And if you can honestly answer that question according to what we see today and allow Holy Spirit to help you live out that creed, you will be changed in ways that you never thought would take place in you. I'm here to tell you. It will cause you to take your enemies who's dying and carry that enemy in your arms. It will cause you to do things to people that you would never thought you would do for a person. That's what we're going to see here. And so let's go before the Lord in prayer and see what the Holy Spirit has in store. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that is so deep and so high and so profound. Jesus, you on this night in which you were betrayed, on the eve of moments away from you being tortured, Lord, you say one of the greatest heartfelt prayers any human could have ever said on the face of the earth. And love that was flowing to heaven to the Father from you, Lord, is unmatched. And it's unimaginable how love can be so great. But we're getting ready to see that in a few minutes by Holy Spirit as he's paint the picture of that night up on the table of our hearts. As we listen quietly, as you talk to your Father, Oh, what a blessing it's going to be. Lord, touch us now. Lord Jesus, we want to be just like you. And Father, we want the same kind of love for you that Lord Jesus had for you that night and still has and will have forevermore. Lord, will you help us have that love? Will you transform our hearts like this now? Because 12, actually 11 apostles are, they're watching. And the other disciples that are in the room who are not mentioned because they're not the forerunners that you're going to use to bring salvation to the world through the gospel. Everybody in that room heard this prayer. And everybody was touched by. I can, I, can, I can imagine Jesus. There wasn't a dry eye in the building. In that upper room that night. So Lord, 
Will you help us grab a hold of that same love right now that you have for the Father? And Holy Spirit, will you give us that same love for Jesus? Will you help us to have it? Because it's impossible for us to do it on our own. Will you help our hearts be changed now into that pureness of heaven, the dawn of heaven? Jesus, you are the darling of heaven. Now, will you give us what you have now? And we're asking now, as your spirit bring forth the living word of God, transform us in this very moment. It is in your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. I had never in my life looked at so many different translations when preparing to bring a word to God's people. I looked at 48 different translations. There's that many? Oh yeah, there's much. There are nine, I think there are 990 English translations oh of the word of God. And not only that, I was able to read the, the Orthodox Jewish Bible, which contained the Old Testament and uh, the New Testament. Messianic Jews use it. And the New Testament is recorded in Hebrew, but it's wrote out in its English form, which is good for you and me both. And so as I'm looking at this and I'm studying the Word of God very carefully and very closely, watch what the Lord Jesus do here. Supper is finished. And he just completed one of the greatest teachings there is on the face of the earth. Here's those teachings that you know them by. John chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16. They are known as the Upper Room Discourse. It is where Lord Jesus prepares his disciples to be in the world without him. They are now have to stand up on their own. And a matter in a few short weeks... These men are going to take the mantle from Lord Jesus and they're going to have to carry that mantle by themselves with the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. And so 40 days and literally about 43 days if you count the time he's in the grave to the time Jesus ascends back to the Father we're talking in 43 days these men will be, they will be standing alone, Mr. David. They will have to grow up. Are you hearing me? And young Arve, one of these men were your age. Young John. And he's the one who wrote this, matter of fact. He recorded it. And so that night, Let's look at verse 1. Jesus spoke these words and actually says, after these things, Jesus spoke these words. Meaning after supper was over with and his teachings were finished. 
Now he's getting ready to go into the realm of prayer. He'll get it ready to enter the most sacred place of all while yet on earth. And these men are going to watch the son of God talk to God, his father, face to face. They're going to witness one of the most divine conversations that ever take place on the face of the earth. And in that conversation, in that prayer, it's going to be a deep, deep message for them. Listen to what the message is. So Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven. I often wonder, why did he do that? Because he was in direct contact with God, his father. He can look beyond the physical veil that's between you and I, between, not you and I, I mean between us and God. Okay? And he's able to see right into the throne room of God and see his father sitting on the throne. And he's able to look past the myriads upon myriads of angels that are sitting around the throne. And he's in a dead eye lock with his father. And it's almost like Crystal walking back and she's praying or talking to her father standing in the back and they're watching each other. Okay? You got your father's undivided attention. That's what's happening here. Jesus have God's undivided attention. And he says to his father, Father, the hour has come. This phrase is very important for you and I to understand. Why is it written as such? This moment of time illustrates that from the time that God had placed Jesus in Mary's womb. Up to this point, it was preparation, teaching, and performing. All the things that God had told him to do in order that the kingdom of God must be birthed and brought forth into the world and that men's souls will be saved. Up to this point now, all the world had known that God had sent Jesus. At this time, Jesus had performed signs and wonders. They had not seen what was yet to come. For as these men know, everything that Jesus did, everything was finished. The works were done. But why did he say, why did he say this? The time now has come. Here it is. Have you ever seen people make a package of packed goods and they put it in a trailer and the goods are there? Everything has been collected. The door is shut for shipment. What is the last thing has to go on that door? Okay, you work at Dollar General. You should understand this. You did investigation. You should understand this. The last thing that goes on the door is the seal. The cross is the seal of salvation. The cross is the seal of everything that God had sent Jesus to do. Amen. All the other works to signify what he's done has been completed. 
And he's trained the apostles to continue in his work. All that's done. Nothing else has to be done. The final thing that to be done to close this out is what? The seal, his death. That's it. The cross. That's why he said, you, you're going to see here, listen in this love letter. This is a son going to his father and said, Father, I've carried out your orders. I've done everything that you sent me here to do. You know how it is when you give your child something to do? You say, when I get back, it better be done. This son demonstrates that the father trusted his son with the entire human population. Not those who were just up on the earth at his day, but the ones from Adam to the last soul that's being created. They were in Jesus' hand. And now it was time for him to put the final seal on everything. Because the work had been done. Now Jesus was about to secure the works. You understanding that? All the works has been sealed in a package for what he had done. Now the cross is going to seal it. Does that make sense to anybody? So as you have given, excuse me, let me back up. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. Glorify your son. This is an extraordinary statement because this goes beyond our ability to understand what is it that Jesus is saying to God. These 11 men, as they're watching and they're hearing this, what is going through their minds of understanding? What is it that they're receiving at this hour? Is he saying to his father, glorify your son? Here it is. The answer is in the text. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. We get there. He's teasing you a little bit in the sense that as we are reading, what lies ahead here in this statement? Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. What is that all about? And how can we relate to it today? How do we glorify the Father, and how does the Father glorify the Son on our behalf? Because if you remember, just in a few chapters back, in chapter 12, Jesus said, greater works than these you will do. Why? Because I'm going to return to my Father. Okay? And he told you, he said, ask anything in my name, and I will do it, that the Father may glorify the Son. Okay? But what does all that mean? It's going to come to head here in a second. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. This is a very strong indictment to all religions that there is no way to have salvation outside of Jesus Christ. God commissioned Jesus to be the only savior of the human race. There is no other way. Not only have God given Jesus salvation for the human race, 
God has given Jesus authority to govern the human race. Now, can you imagine that your father, in turn, just gave you his signature authority over all of his house and over all of his goods? That's what God did with the human race. God gave Jesus his signature authority over all of the human race. Not one, not Israel, not just in part, but in whole, the entire human population. From Adam to the last person created. That's it. And so as Jesus is talking to his father, this, is, this part explains Jesus being the heir of God. This is another way of saying, son, I have given you everything I own. And guess what lies at the head of that? You and me. The human race. What a love portion that the father does for the son. I'm giving you the human race. Why do you think God prepared this world? He prepared it for who? Why did he put all the animals, all the beautiful lakes and rivers, all the fowls of the air, all the fish of the sea, all the creeping things, as much as we don't like them? Why do you think God put those things here? He put them here for you and who? For me. And he gave us dominion over them. Now, if he put all those things here for you and I, and he put, he gave us his sovereign dominion over them, and he gives his son sovereign authority over us. That means he also get those things in which we are in charge of. Amen. Everything. Everything. Yeah. He even placed the stars in the sky for us. And even the sun to lead us by day and the moon to lead us by what? Night. So that means he's also the God over the sun and the Night. moon and the stars. Yes. Yeah. All of it. Jesus. That's what they're saying. So you got to look beyond it. Oh, he just gave him authority over people. No, 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 no. You got to understand the days of creation. Why did God bring those forward? God brought them forward for us. Amen. And since the son has sovereign authority over you and I, he also has sovereign authority over those. Making him the Lord over all creation. <laughs> Glory to God. So that's why when you look at this, you got to look at it very, very carefully. Okay? And then he says that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. <clears throat> no one can come to the Father. Jesus said it back in John chapter 6, verse 44. He said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then he says something so precious to you and I. He said, all who the Father give me, I will in no wise cast out, but in the last day, raise them up. He said that in a succession of five times in that chapter. Why? Because he want you and I to know we are going to die. Mm -hmm. But yet, he's going to resurrect us. Mm -hmm. Okay? 
He's going to resurrect us. Yes. <laughs> then he calls it on out. He gets into something that is so profound that it literally blows every translation there is out of the water. Verse 3. The very, very first portion of verse 3, Lord Jesus is, is speaking. He's continuing his talk with his father. And he said, and this is eternal life. The part that made me study so hard and bust my brains open, you know I don't have very much, but the Lord is good. This phrase right here, and this is eternal life. Here, in the Greek, there's a definite article. A definite article is what we call T-H-E. And when you put T-H-E in, in front of something, it makes it the sole thing. Am I right, Mr. David? Academically, am I right, Crystal? It makes it the sole object. Yeah. Okay, am I right, Chrissy? All of you. So, as I was looking at it, not one of those 40 English translations put the definite article there. Even, although it's written in the original language, there's a definite article there. And when the Holy Spirit pointed that out to me, God, Samuel, this makes the difference. Do you know what that difference is? All other religions tell you you can be saved if you do it their way. When you put the definite article here, it says there's only one way. Amen. And that one way is the way Jesus Christ, the Son of God, describes it. Amen. Amen. Give him some glory because he's worthy of it. Now try reading it this way. And this is the eternal life. Amen. Now that makes it very specific. Okay? As you're looking at this love letter, this this talk between the Father and the Son. The Son is reinstating, reinforcing what the Father had sent him to do. To be the only way to the Father. And that's why he's saying this. He's not saying this so that the Father could notice, like the Father is senile and have Alzheimer's or something. <laughs> He's saying it so that those who are in the room can hear it. And know that all that he has taught them the last three and a half years still stands true today. And it's unchanging. Isn't that awesome? So let's finish what he's saying there. In verse 3. And this is the eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent now that need a little bit of unpacking to, for us to get the full picture here in the orthodox Jewish Bible where they have the word know it's transformed as knowledge and this is the knowledge that they know you the only true God 
That means you got to go beyond academics. You first, you're shown it in black and white, and you say, I got that. I've been schooled right. And then you take it, and you put it in your spirit, and you live it. Amen. And you say, I know for certain there's only one true God. Amen. 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 Yeah. And that's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is the only true God. And then, this is the connector. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, again, in the, in the Orthodox Jewish Bible, it says it like this. Uh, let me see if I can say it correctly without botching it up. Okay? Remy, which means rabbi, and the R-A-B part of that means great. I didn't know that. Okay? And then the next word it has is Mila, which means king. Great king. And then Hamashik, the Messiah. So they're calling Jesus. This is written out as great king, the Messiah, whom you have sent. Big difference. Yeah. That signifies what's written in Revelation 19. He's the king of kings and the lord of what? Lords. And they give him all the glory by identifying his true calling and his true nature and his true position. Which we cut him short. Wow. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, look, where's all this been at? It's been there all along. They just didn't write it out. So here we have it. Jesus is the great king. The Messiah, God's anointed one. He's the Christ. Okay? And so, this is what Jesus says. And this is the eternal life having knowledge of you, the only living God. Okay? That's part of eternal life. And to sum that up, is also known the great king who is the Messiah. That finish it, whom you, God, the only living God, have sent. That sums it up. It's sealed. Okay? And what follows next in this is a love so deep and so precious between the Father and the Son that all you and I can do is get on board and say, Jesus, I want to be just like you. Help me to love Father just like you are this night. Because he's showing the love to the Father that these men had never seen before. And it's a love that you have never seen before. And it's a love that we can have and demonstrate right now. Here's that love. Look what it says. I have glorified you on the earth. What does that mean? <coughs> I have given you honor. 
on the earth. I have honored your name. In the Lord's prayer, as we know it in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9, when Jesus said, pray in this manner. Our Father. Who are? Heaven. What follows next? Honor. Glorifying. He's teaching men to glorify his father while praying. That's the love of a son. He said, don't you dare disrespect my daddy. Okay? You glorify him. You give him honor and respect while you're coming to him in prayer. You just don't rush up in his room and say, hey, God, I need this. He said, no, 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 no. There's a formality. There's a protocol here. Okay? There's a level of respect that has to come from you. And he's telling us. He's demonstrating it himself. And so, is he going on? And I'm getting hot up here. I'm burning up. He <laughs> said, so I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Remember we talked about that seal was yet to be put on it? The work has been done. The package is finished. It's wrapped up. It's ready to be shipped around the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ, all that he's done. That's why Luke starts his gospel like this. He said, dear Theophilus, I'm getting ready to give you an account of all that Jesus said and done. That's the gospel in a nutshell. The only thing at this point that was missing was the cross. And it's the cross that's going to seal all the teachings and all the miracles that Jesus Christ had given over the last three and a half years. Yes. Yes. Amen? Amen? Yes. And it is the seal of eternal life. It's going to open up doors into the kingdom of God to every human who believe. All right. So, and now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Listen. That verb that's on the end of that statement, was, is one of the most powerful verbs in all of this book right now. Do you know why? Because that verb says Jesus Christ was before all of creation. That verb said it is a to be verb. That means Jesus Christ existed before anything else did. Amen. That Jesus Christ have the same eternality as the Father. He has always been and will always be. Amen. That's what that just said. And if you recall the conversation that took between him and the religious leaders in Jerusalem in chapter 8 of this book, one of the things they got mad at when they were talking about how great Abraham their father was, and he said, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Yeah. He didn't use the words, but he used the A-M. Am means always in existence in the present tense. He said, I existed long before Abraham. And they got mad and said, this man not even 50 years old and you know Abraham? <laughs> and that's when he said, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Woo! 
Brothers and sisters, that night in the stable in Bethlehem, the great I am came forth as a man. That was not his birthday. In the sense, he doesn't have one. Hello. Somebody called it. That was his flesh birthday. Not his spirit. Because recall the conversation that he had with the woman at the well, and you started in John chapter 4 and verse 23 going down. He said, God is a, oh, y'all slow today, spirit. Meaning that God has no beginning and no end. Okay? He says, I am. The same language that he spoke to Moses at the burning bush. Tell him that I am have sent you. Jesus is talking to Moses and Moses didn't even know it. Amen? Amen. So in verse 6, he said, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. This is extraordinary. The Lord here, Chris is saying, listen, you didn't come to me on your own. Not a single human came to me on his or her own. Not even his mama. Hello. That means God himself handpicked every human to come to his son Jesus. I don't care what kind of drunken stupor or uh, uh, prostitute or murder or thief, whatever your lifestyle is, you could have just been old, good old homeboy. <laughs> I don't care what you was. You didn't come to Jesus on your own, good old homegirl. You didn't come to Jesus on your own. And I don't care if you were raised in church all your life. You still didn't come to Jesus on your own. That meant God the Father, somewhere in eternity the past, had decided, I'm calling Chrissy, I'm calling, what's your name? Oh, that's Clinton. Okay? <laughs> And I'm calling you, and I'm calling you, and I'm calling you, and I'm calling you, and you. Everyone whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that name did not get there by you. And you didn't come to the Son on your own. It was all the Father's doing. Yes, it was. Amen. Where does the Muslim stand with this? God got some of their names, too. Okay. Hello, you Baptist out there? If that's what you want to call yourself, I call myself a child of God. I call myself a disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay? But whoever you are and what you're claiming to be, you didn't get there on your own. Thank God the Father had decided where you would go. And as He sent you, and He sent me, the Son was there waiting. That's so beautiful. Now, they've kept your word. What does it mean by that? That word kept 
I mean, not only did they have to learn it, Mr. David, that means they were good students. They were good disciples. And at times, Jesus scolded them, did he not? Mm -hmm. Remember in the boat and the storm came up? Yeah. What did he call them? Oh, faithless one. Mm -hmm. Whoa, that's pretty strong there, brother. You betcha, because she was teaching them. What about when he came up on top of the mountain after he was transfigured in front of James, Peter, and who? John. John. Went down and there was a man there with his child that had a spirit, demon spirit in it. And they couldn't cast, the ones who were down there couldn't cast them out. And Jesus said, oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? Woo! I mean, he's popping the whip here. And you see that throughout the scriptures, he had to get on the disciples. What did he say to Peter? Get thee behind me. Satan. Satan. <laughs> 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 wow. Even though he called Peter Satan, <laughs> Peter still preaching the gospel. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Look what he's doing with them. These men learn. And they learn through trial and error. Mm -hmm. And here's what you and I need to understand also. He just didn't commission 12. The Bible tells us in Luke 10 that he sent out 70 others. Those were common people like you and me. And they did the same thing the apostles did. They healed the sick, they raised the dead, they cast out demons, and they preached the gospel. And it also believed that part of the 70 was women too. And they went out and they did extraordinary things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. That means they were keeping his word. They were believing that he was sent by the Father. And that everything that he was doing demonstrated that he was not from the earth. Okay? So they believe. And not only believe in Miss Vicky, but they trusted. There had to be a difference. The devil believed, but did he trust? No. Remember James said, the devil, he said, beloved, it's good that you believe in God. The demons believe and do what? Tremble. So everybody can have knowledge, but not everybody trusts. This is a level of trust. So he said, they've kept the word. They kept the word. All right? Look at this. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. That word believed there should have been translated as they trusted. They trusted. They knew and trusted that I came forth from you. Okay? I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. The phrase that's used there in the Hebrew is the master of the world. Master of the world, they know that I have come forth from you. Are you getting that? Master of the world, Olam, O-L-A-M, master of the world, they know that I have come from you. See what I mean? Sometimes English doesn't do us too much justice in the scriptures. That's why Paul says, study to show yourself approved. 
unto God. Get in there, dissect, learn everything you can. So they believe, and he's praying for them. In verse 10, it's all of mine are yours, and yours are mine. Can you imagine this now? Do you know what that means, Junior? That means there is no distinguishment between the father and the son in ownership. Whatever the father owns, the son owns. And the crazy Pharisees didn't even recognize that. That Jesus owned them. And they were cussing them out. Are you cussing one out who created you? I guarantee you, the high priest would not have cussed God out. I guarantee you, they would not have slapped God and spit in his face. But that's what they were doing when they were doing it to the son. It's hot in here in the clinic. No? <laughs> now, to God be the glory. And I am glorified in them. Jesus was well pleased with his disciples, just as his father was well pleased with him. You recall Jesus' baptism? At the end of the baptism, we heard a voice from heaven, right? And what did that voice say? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, I am glorified in him. The word glory also can be translated as pleasure. So I am glorified in him. And so Jesus said, I'm glorified in them. I'm pleased with them, Father. The question now in the 21st century, is he pleased with us? Is he glorified in us? No. I believe he is. Those who are his, I believe he is. Even though we get on his nerves sometimes. <laughs> huh? Oh, yeah. I believe he is because if he wasn't, you know, Ananias and Sapphira, way back in chapter 5, what did he do to him? He killed them. Okay. And we're going to see some other tough measures taken by the Lord in the book of Acts. So he's, he's, he's pleased with the men that Father had given him. And, and Junior, don't you get the big head because God is pleased with you. You just stay humble. So now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. What does it mean? So I'm going home. It is a message of saying, if you could put emotions to this, he's saying, I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to go back home. Okay? Dad, I can't wait to be joined with you again. I'm coming home. And I imagine when the angels heard that part of the prayer, they went to shout in heaven, he's coming home. <laughs> so, that's just a little Simon Nelson interpretation. <laughs> Can you imagine how happy we are with him? But they had him first. Oh, the Prince of Glory is coming back. Right. Not that they weren't satisfied, satisfied with God the Father. Now, don't get me wrong. 
You understand me? But the prince was coming home. And here he says, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. God is the only keeper of the church. These men are about to go through some stuff. In a matter of a short while, the entire world will be turned upside down. And some of them will be killed right away. And the same roads that the Romans built, they would use to go out of Jerusalem in the middle of the night. They will watch Jerusalem burn in flames. They will watch the temple go down in ashes. Not one stone shall be left upon another. And they will have to get out of town quickly. They don't even have time to pack their bags. And there will be an army of soldiers out looking for them. That's how bad things are going to get. And they will be hunted down like criminals. But the gospel will not stop. Amen? Here we are once again. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition. That means the son of destruction. That means Judas was, he never trusted Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. He came to Jesus as a son of perdition. Are you understanding me? Judas came with a heart and agenda of his own. He came to Jesus to get something out of it. Personal gain. But here, the other men, they saw the sincerity of God in Christ. Two of them right away spent the whole day with them. You remember that? Andrew and John. When John the Baptist introduced them, and they said, Rabbi, uh, uh, where you stand? And you know what he said to them? Come and see. <laughs> and them little brothers said, oh boy, here we go. And then that was the first time they ever met him. And they spent the rest of the day with him. And they were blown away. Amazing. And let me tell you, one of them was so excited, he couldn't wait to get his big brother. He went and grabbed his big brother and said, you got to see this. We have found the Messiah. Come on. And he grabbed Peter by the hand and he took that rugged fisherman to Jesus. That disciple name was Andrew. Wow. It's amazing stuff, isn't it? So Jesus is talking to his father about them. And now... Verse 13, excuse me, let me back up to verse 12. Look at this. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name, those whom you gave me. I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. It was prophesied that Judas would betray him. So Judas was already destined for hell. 
And remember earlier in Jesus' teaching, he spoke about Judas. He says, better that that man had never been born. Wow. And you know the lies that are out there right now? Saying there was a conspiracy between Judas and Jesus. That Judas is really saved and he's not dead. That Jesus was using him. Oh, folks, so blind to the truth. But now I come to you in these things that speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. People, this is a part of the scripture you need to take to heart. If you see people who claim in the name of Jesus and they're always raising hell and they're always depressed and always a sin of confusion, the joy of Jesus is not in them. Because the joy of Jesus Christ will cause you and I to do something that we wouldn't otherwise have done. Love your enemies. Yeah. Love your neighbor as you love your... Mm-hmm. Earlier in that discourse, as a matter of fact, as they had just sat down to supper, I think it's John chapter 15, verse 34. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 34, where Jesus said, A new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another. Okay, well, I mean, that's pretty simple. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, he, uh, that, that command is given that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. But evidently, for 1,500 years, that wasn't working. Hello. Because now he has to redirect what love is. Here's how he redirected love. And they're hearing him talk to the Father now, and they're probably things are flashing back through their minds. Here's what that love is. He said, you're to love them with the love that I have loved you with. Wow. That's the love you're to love them with. Now, what kind of love is that? In the days of Israel, if a leper came their way, they run. They wouldn't go and touch him. Well, what did that leper do when he saw Jesus, Junior? The leper came to him and said, Are you willing to make me clean? And what was the first thing Jesus did? Simultaneously while saying, I will, he reached out and did what? Touched him. Touched You think the high priest would have did that? No. <laughs> this is the demonstration of the Father's love. That's the kind of love that Lord Jesus wants you and I to have for one another. It's the kind of love that over in a country called India, a little old lady about this tall demonstrated for nearly 70 years. Anybody know who that is? Or what? Yes! She touched lepers and didn't get leprosy. She went to the, the degenerate, the disenfranchised, those who were displaced and all, and she loved them with Jesus' love. One day a news reporter was interviewing her. And she said to him, young man, this is what you need to do. 
You need to talk to God and open your heart up so big and let God in so there's room enough to hold him. The man dropped his pen and started weeping. Every one of us need to do that. Open our hearts up so large and let Jesus in. And I'm not talking about just a little bit. He's a big man. That means you got to rip your cell phone open and let him in and consume you. Okay? This is what's happening here. As he's closing out this prayer, and I got to speed my tongue up here. Listen what he's saying. So the joy needs to be in them. He said, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as <clears throat> I am not of the world. <clears throat> Jesus came from heaven. Every person that God sent to Jesus meant that they was handpicked in heaven, meaning their origin is not from the earth, but from where? From heaven. You are not from heaven. That's why Jesus said you must be born again from where? From above, from heaven, from God himself. So your origin is not from the earth, but from heaven. Making you and I not of this world. That's why I say neither love the things of this world. Why are you going to love stuff that you, it's not even where we come from? Amen? Amen. So he's demonstrating in verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. He knew Satan was going to go after his apostles, after his children, after his disciples. So they need a heavenly protection. Uh, can you recall back one man that had that heavenly protection around him? Anybody know who he was? Uh, come go back further. The man named Job. Hundreds of years before Moses' time. You remember the final thing Satan says to God on his second round with Job? He said, if you take your heads from around him and go skin for skin, he will curse you to your face. And God said, go ahead, but don't you take his life. Okay? So Job had a heavenly protection around him. And God just removed it and allowed the evil one to go in and touch him. But he couldn't kill him. And so Lord Jesus is saying, I know that you're in the world, Father. And the evil one knows they're here. But I'm praying that you protect them from him. Okay? So you want to know where your protection is coming from? God himself. Amen? Amen? Now, sanctify them, verse 17, look at it very carefully, and this is the hallmark of what, what you need to believe in. Sanctify them by your truth. That means when you and I are reviewing God's word, you're asking God to do the impossible with you. Make us holy. And how is that done? 
by the word of God and the word of God alone. The Holy Spirit will take the word of God and seal your fate. He will make you the different person. He will make your character different. He will make your personality different. He will make your attitude different. Amen. And he will make everything about you different than that of the world. And that's what sanctify me to set aside according to God's word and take and give you a makeover in the word of God. And that your life is now shaped and molded according to God's likeness, according to the image of his son, Jesus. Like it says over in uh, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, whom God foreknew, he predestined. And he did what? To predestine them to do what? To be conformed. That means a makeover. Conformed into the image of his son, Jesus. That's what's happening. You wonder why, Miss Vicky, when you look in the mirror, you say, oh, I don't look the same. No, because you're looking like Jesus. <laughs> Amen? You want to know why you don't look the same? Because you're looking like Jesus. And your husband walk in and say, honey, something look different about you. And you go, don't that look good? <laughs> why? Because I look like Jesus. Amen? Your husband come home from a tired and go, Chris, you're glowing. You say, hey, Jesus, good? You like it? <laughs> so that's what you're getting. An absolute spiritual makeover that's reflected in the flesh. Amen? God is so good to us. We're about to finish up here. Give me just a couple of more minutes. So being sanctified in the word of God it changes your image. It changes who you are. That's why people say, oh boy, I remember what you used to be like. And you turn around and say, yep, you said the magic phrase, used to be. All right. Amen? You don't know what I'm like now. Right. <laughs> Only my Father in heaven knows. So sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true. Bill Clinton want to know what the truth is? God's word is true. Amen? As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. What does he mean by that? You remember what he told them in chapter 14, verse 6? I'm the way, the... Oh, yeah. Hello, somebody. Okay. <laughs> he remained everything that he came here to be. And is. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. He did not allow any influences to change him. He said, I sanctify myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the darling of heaven, why did you have to do that? You came down here sinless. Okay? He came down showing you and I what to believe in. And he didn't sway to the left or to the right. He remained steadfast in it. Okay? And that's what you and I have to do. Beautiful love letter. This prayer. I mean, I wish my sons would sit and talk to me like this. Yeah, I didn't get everything I got, which is that much. <laughs> and so, in verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That means you and I. 
That means there's a connector. We are connected to, to the first fruits of Jesus, the first apostles, okay, through their teachings. So I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Wow. Okay. Sum that up real quick. It's just one big happy family of God. From the first apostles, first disciples, to the last. One family. Okay? In unity. That means there's no disparity there. No rip. The Holy Ghost takes care of that confusion. You get in the Word of God, you'll be on the same accord. You know what's expected. You pray, you walk in the Spirit, you know what's expected. And when we get to getting on each other and earth, they'll come and thumbs up and say, hey, remember the Word? You'll be sanctified in the Word. Come on, how you going to fight against the Word? But I feel like knocking them out. Did Jesus say, I feel like knocking them out? No, 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 no. You can't do that. You got to walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Remember, the f knocking them out is the way of the world, it's not the way of heaven. Because God's going to knock somebody out. He knocked us out a long time ago and never sent Jesus. So, the way of heaven. Amen? Compassionate heart of God, forgiven men of their sins. Put his son on the cross to redeem us. What an amazing thing God did. And the son is sitting there talking to his father in a lovely way. And these men are standing there and they're listening and they're soaking it up. And they're going to bring it back. They're going to remember this because they're going to draw strength from it. Because in a matter of hours, their very life is going to be threatened. And everything that they've been taught will be challenged. Because the ruler, as they know him, will become a helpless prisoner, sentenced to death. The man that they watch walk on water will no longer use his ability to fight away his enemies. And some are not going to understand that. Why isn't he fighting? Because he knew what he was sent to do. And would even let the intermittence of being arrested and beaten get in the way. He remained focused. Okay? As we close this out, verse 22, And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Once again, the sanctity of the church is dependent upon how we love each other. Unity in the church is dependent upon if we are following the word that we're sanctified in. You, well, I, I guarantee you, if you want to cut out confusion in a church, tell them to follow the word of God. Mm -hmm. Amen. I guarantee you to stop and to kill it right in its tracks. 
And then the world would know, ooh, look at them, boy. There's some loving folks over there. Look how they love each other. Then they know, oh, those are Jesus' disciples. That's one thing the Muslims have said. You Christians know how to forgive. That's Christ. Okay? Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. How many of you want to see Jesus? And I'm not talking about, <clears throat> pardon the expression, a blonde haired blue eyed guy walking around with a white robe on. I'm talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The son of the living God, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb of God. That's the one we want to see. You and I are going to want to see him and we're going to see him. Not as the ringing king in judgment against those who have rejected him, but the one who's a loving father and a loving son who love us. That's the one that we're going to see. And you know what? Oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. I want to stop there just for a second as Miss Vickers is getting ready to come to play, and Mr. David. No matter what opposition Jesus faced, he did not deny his father. No matter how much they threatened him, and the first physical threat we seen was in his own hometown of Nazareth, when he read the, the scroll from Isaiah 53. And at the end of that reading, when he said, this day, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, meaning that I am the Messiah, the one in which the scripture just spoke about. Boy, they got fighting mad at him. And the scripture said, and they grabbed him and they were taking him out to the cliff on which Nazareth was built upon, a ridge line. And it had to be high enough because they were going to cast him off, which means they would have killed him. So Nazareth set up on a very tall ridge. But it said, and he got away from him. That's pretty nasty. But he, in all of that, he would not deny being the son of God. Here's what's important for you today. Are you going to deny belonging to Jesus? No matter what you're facing, what trial, what tribulation, what hardship, what loneliness of heart that you're experiencing, don't deny Jesus. And Jesus won't deny you. I promise you, and I know for a fact, and we got some folks in here older than me, 
<laughs> and they would testify that God is great God. And he has never abandoned his children. As King David said in Psalms 37, he said, I've been young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Never. I don't care what Berlin and I have been through. God has never turned his back on us. And Jesus has never forsaken us. Whether we were wayward children, and we have been since we come to him, yet he's still the same loving Lord as he's always been to us. Even through chastising us. And so, here's, here's a promise that the father received from his son. Look at verse 26. It is a promise. A promise that you and I must carry out for Jesus. Here's that promise. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Crystal, you and I have an obligation to take the name of God everywhere we go. That's what Jesus is saying. I will declare it. He's declaring the Father's name through us. From generation to generation, as the gospel is preached, new disciples are being made. New disciples pick up the mantle. And we carry the name of God. We carry the name of Jesus to the next generation. So the name of God is perpetually carried out. It's con you know, continuously being made known. And that's incredible. I was talking with a police officer the other morning, Thursday morning. He stood about four inches taller than me and about six inches wider than me, <laughs> Mr. Jones. That's a big man, isn't it? But you know what, Crystal, this man talks so graciously about Jesus in uniform with his gun and everything. And he was magnifying the Lord in the food bank. And everybody heard him say he belonged to Jesus. And this was a 20-year veteran of Gainesville Police Department. The other day down at the intersection when I was passing kids out cards for the banquet, one a high spring sergeant, he and I for the next 40 minutes stood there by the intersection and we talked about Jesus. Amen. We talked about the word of God and he knew the word of God. And we just stood there. And Carl's Pastor, we're waving and still talking about Jesus. He'll stop and let some kids across the road, and he continued to talk about Jesus. Either man in uniform, both men, loving Jesus, does not allow the occupation to change who they are. Powerful men of God. And, and one of them says to me, 
He said, only if they can get inside my head and see what I see about Jesus. See what Jesus has done for us. See what God the Father has done for us. He said, I wish they can get inside my head and just see it as I see it. And I'm standing there God. That's a great sermon, brother. <laughs> to God be the glory. But Jesus loves you all. What he demonstrated here, this is one of the most heartfelt serenity prayers in all the scriptures. To me, it is the greatest. Now, what happened next as a a little short period between chapter 17 and chapter 18. They, they now got to walk from the upper room across the valley, the Kendron Valley, to the Mount of Olives. Right next to the Mount of Olives is the Garden of Gethsemane. And there, he will fall on his face and cry. And he will cry deeply to his father that's a prayer of agony that you see John doesn't record the details of that prayer like Matthew Mark and Luke does but they don't record this one what a wonderful moment from the Lord hey, you know what now it's our time to show you all some love. Come on, brothers. We'll put them out here somewhere. We'll light them up in front of Miss Vicky. Keep playing. Thank you, sis. Somebody grab Miss Nelson, please. Just turn, turn and face him. You come over this way so he can get beside you. You know, sisters, the Father has a love for you that is so great through his son Jesus. If I can give you a rose garden right now on the behalf of Jesus, I would. because of who you are. Gentlemen, didn't take all the taxes. We left one through. We want to begin. I should have did a mama first. Yeah.
you don't get any. <laughs> I didn't know she was here. Yeah, she's here. And that one over there, that one belongs to Emma. And Miss Nelson, this is personally from me to you, doll. Ladies, I love you all, but y'all not Miss Nelson. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, sweetie. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Let's give our sisters a hand. God bless you. Jesus is the darling of heaven. You all are the darling of earth. God bless you. God bless you. Any questions about what the Lord did here today? Oh, God. He brought love in this place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the glory. Yes. God is awesome in all of his ways. Any questions? If not, every head bow. Come on up, Deacon. Yep, I want both of you by my side on this one. Now, y'all, I don't have anything to give these men, but I do, I will tell you that these brothers, the three of us are the only official officers of the church. One look better than the other one. You know, I snap back. <laughs> to God be the glory. And uh, Thursday night was absolutely beautiful. I wish you all could have been here and seen it. You seen it. Mm -hmm. And uh, kids, did y'all have a good time Thursday night? Okay. Yes, you had a good time? I had a good time. Good, good. Our next big event, Crystal, and hopefully you'll bring Michael and the kids if you're in the area still. Now, we hope you are. Um, is Passover. We got a special treat um, on that night. And if Shelly let it out of the bag, I'm going to get her. I did. Okay. Not yet. So, anyway. Uh, we like for you all to come join us with your smallest of your smallest. Okay? I'm the smallest. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> but uh, to God be the glory. Every head bow now. Which one are you going to close out in prayer? Want me to? Okay. Boy, they got to flip a coin so he was going to pray. <laughs> God bless you, brother. Father, we thank you for, the, for this wonderful word of love that we should have for you and for each other. We thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son. And Lord, we like to express that same love back to you this day 
in the rest of our days, Lord. And Father, be over Israel. Yes, Lord. Be over this United States, Lord. We need you. The whole world needs you, Lord. And Lord, we can't say enough words to express our true love to you, but it comes from our heart, and you know it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. To our friends around the world, we want them to know that Jesus loves them. God bless you. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody.